following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. The Tip of the Cap podcast is brought to you by Stinger Sports, your number one source for quality sports gear. Stinger Sports, look great, feel great, play great. Visit them today online at www.stingerwoodbats.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Tip of the Cap podcast. I, as always, am your host, Derek Joswiak, a.k.a. Jaws, Coach Jaws, however you happen to know me. Um, I am back, and as you can tell from the start of the episode, there are have been some changes going on with the podcast, which is why it's been a little bit since I put a new episode out, solely based on the fact that I wanted to make sure I had all this stuff squared away before... Uh, I put something out. Uh, the podcast is no longer on Podbean. However, it can be found on the BICBP radio network. Uh, as you heard uh, at the bumper at the opening, this is www.bicbp-radio.com. Uh, you can find this, my other podcast, Hats, Tats, and Stats, as well as there is a total, I believe, 29 other pod- or total podcasts on that channel. Um, everything from sports to history creeps uh there's a panel discussion anything you might want or like go check that out see if there's something in there that you might be uh be a fan of so um i wanted to like you can still find the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify stuff like that but uh the only place you're not gonna be able to see it is going to be on the podbean website or app if that's how you've been obtaining this podcast up until this point um, I'm going to probably start a Facebook group for the podcast, not necessarily a page that's a little bit too um, a little bit too hard to keep up on. Uh, I do that for the my other podcast, Hats, Tats, and Stats. And that one, it, it, it's just tough to keep a constant flow of information going 24-7. So that being said... Um, one of the things, the main, the main point of today's topic of conversation is going to be the fact that we are returning to play here in the West New York area, or at least there is a plan to in the very, very near future. And so far, since I know a lot of people have gone to other areas, including Pennsylvania, Ohio, stuff like that, to play and perform, um... I've heard, I've seen a couple tweets at minimum about kids that have come out from this long pause that we've had, this long break, and are coming out and throwing an insane amount of pitches. Um, And I'm going to touch on that topic, and then I'm going to stem it into something a little bit more, we'll call it controversial. I guess Um, this one's probably going to ruffle a feather or two and there's a good chance that I'm probably going to take a little bit of crap for this one. But uh, I I think it's something that needs to be put out there and needs to be said. And if you're one of the people that would give me crap about this, I'm going to assume you're going to be one of the people that's going to put a kid in a bad situation um, as far as his development goes. Now, Being a high school coach, we started our season in March. And as we all know, all of these kids or most of these kids should be and are practicing a lot of times from fall all the way through. 
Um, you know, there's some guys who take time off for fall and or winter sports. And there are other guys who, you know, they play fall ball, then they take a little bit of a break till the start of the new year. And then they get back into it. There's some guys that just roll straight through. And no matter what your philosophy on that is, the, you know, as a high school coach, we expect you to come ready, you know, for like at Lancaster, we have tryouts and we expect you to come ready. And how you do that is by practicing and working either with a team, with a coach or on your own in the off season. Um, I know that we offer plenty of opportunity to do off season training. There's a lot of programs that start, um, you know, they start up their own team practices at minimum once a week in the late fall, early winter and roll straight into high school season. Um, so when you come out in March, the expectation is that you're ready to go. Now you may not be mid season cause you're not throwing live in games, but you have some base to build on. And as a pitching coach, I, I still dial my kids in at shorter bullpens to start. Um, you know, they, they, they get a little bit, a little bit into it during tryouts, a little bit deeper. Um, but I mean, not a ton because I, you know, I, I, I watch them throw for accuracy, watch them, you know, put them on a gun for velocity. And then I see them against some live hitters. And that's, that's the expectation of coming ready. Um, if I have a kid who, it's coming off an injury and hasn't thrown, he doesn't throw against live hitting. Um, and if he, you know, I had a kid this year who had only thrown, I believe two or three 25 pitch flat ground bullpens prior to tryouts because he was coming off uh, an injury from the previous summer. And he threw his, uh, he threw his zone work, which is 20 pitches at about 65 to 75% velocity and I had him open up a little bit more just to kind of get a, a gauge of where he might be as far as the gun. And that was it. That's all he did as far as pitching goes for tryouts. Um, and, you know, obviously we treat every kid differently based on what he's able to do, what he's been training to do, and where he's at in that training cycle. But to see these kids that have come out and... I mean, it was the second full week of March, which I will actually pull up a calendar and get actual hard dates here. So tryouts for us started the 9th. We went to the 14th, which was a Saturday. And on the 16th of March, the world shut down for coronavirus. Um, and it is now June 17th. So that's three full months. Yeah, that's March to April, April to May, May to June. That's three full months of shutdown where at best kids have been able to get together with each other and maybe throw a little bit, maybe hit a little bit. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it is not your traditional high school season that gets these kids ready to go where in the summer they hit the ground running for tournament season and they're in midseason form. Um, so some of these guys, depending on where they play, who they play for may even be a little burned out when they start their summer season, which now we're seeing 
where you're going to see kids whose arms are fresher for the duration of the summer season, whatever summer season we are able to get in. But we're also seeing kids that may not be ready to throw. Um, and one of the things that as coaches we have to consider there is, you know, I, well, I, I know this kid can do this because he's done it for me for the last three years. Right. Except the last three years, he's had a lead in a full 20 plus game lead in season to that point. So when he comes out and throws on a weekend for you and his pitch count gets up there, you know, he's kind of been training for it. Um, I know, and I can tell you that there are guys, uh, there's at least one program in the area that won't let a guy get over 85 pitches ever. Um, you know, and now I'm coming out and seeing tweets, you know, Oh, guy through, I I just retweeted one earlier uh, today, which actually stemmed the idea for this podcast, you know, watching a kid throwing 97 pitches in a game and probably the first time he's possibly the first time he stepped on a mound in over three months. And definitely the first time he's thrown live in that long, if not since last summer, depending upon how his off season training is and what it looks like. Um, I also saw one, um, a guy, you know, Chris News put out that he watched there. He either watched or heard of a kid that threw upward of 200 pitches in a weekend. You know, that he started a game on, you know, probably Friday and then another one on Sunday. And, you know, best case scenario, it was a Thursday to Sunday. But still, you know, you're, you're heading, if you're, if, if, even if you played by the 85 pitch rule, you know, that's 170 pitches in less in a, in a weekend. That's insane. That's insane for a normal summer, let alone, you know, the type of summer that we're get coming into right now, where again, your arm might be healthy and rested, but it's not ready at the same time. You know, very, very few kids are going to come ready to go because of how, especially if you're from New York, how, how locked down it, things have been, you know, and I, very, very few kids without coaching and direction are going to go and run the type of off season program they need to run on their own, mostly because most of them don't know. Um, you know, and I, if, if this doesn't speak to you, if you're one of the kids that can and does do the, the right things all the time, then you know, obviously that doesn't apply to you, but like I said, nobody is ever ready to throw 200 pitches, 170 pitches, even in a weekend, you know, that that's incredible. That that's so high. It's not even funny. Um, you know, and for everybody out there that, yeah, I, I know in the high school ranks, there's always been the, uh, you know, Oh, coaches abuse players for the sake of wins. And you know, the, that's why they had to institute the pitch count rules that they implemented a few years ago because of stuff like that. And, you know, how, how does it work that, you know, high school, high school has those rules and, at, you know, at most you play three to four times a week and, you know, summer tournaments don't have rules like that when you could be playing seven times in a weekend. Um, you know, I, I, and this is going to stem me into my next part of this. You know, I, I think there's been, a very hard shift in what you see in high school coaching versus summer coaching. Um, it used to be that your summer coaches were, 
even if they were dads, they were dads with some baseball knowledge um, and had a, you know, had an idea of what they were doing. And, you know, the, the biggest argument was no matter what your summer coat, especially again, I'm speaking from, you know, the realm of being in Western New York and where, you know, how it was when I grew up, even, you know, those dads may have probably have a little bit better of an idea than the high school history teacher, who's your varsity baseball coach who may understand stats and numbers and putting things in the spreadsheet, but doesn't necessarily know the game and, you know, just, just things as a whole at, uh, in the high school level have, have come miles and miles from where they were. Even when I played, you know, back in Oh four and Oh five. Um, so now you have these rules in place to keep those, the, the ranks of high school coaches from overusing an arm and, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it definitely hurts you a little bit, you know, um, you know, you, you get a, a playoff game that gets washed in the first inning. Your kid went out through nine pitches. Could he probably throw the next day? Sure. Should he probably not? Um, you know, but it, you know, you definitely see it where one pitcher is eligible for the game that starts and gets rained out in the first and the other team's ace isn't. And then you get rained out in the first and then that one extra night night's rest, your guy, because he stepped on the mound needs one night and you're probably not starting him either way because yeah, he threw nine pitches, but that doesn't include all his warmups and his pregame bullpen. Um, so he's probably not ready to go tomorrow, no matter what, but that other team's ace is now healthy and ready to go where years past well, that one night probably didn't matter for the other team's ace where he probably, you probably would have had that pitcher's duel to begin with. So it's changed the game a little bit to police guys from doing things that shouldn't be done. But, you know, now, now we're seeing this type of stuff. You know, we, we can't do those things in high school anymore. You know, we can't do, have a kid throw Monday, Wednesday, every week. You know, we can't have a kid, you know, start on Monday, and then he's either going to relieve on Wednesday or start on Friday every week because he can. And then, well, he pitched on Friday. He should be fine by Monday. And, you know, say even saying that sounds obnoxious from a coaching standpoint right now. But at the same token, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it as a coach and back when I played, you know, guys that would do stuff like that. Like, oh, we're playing, you know, we're playing Orchard Park Friday. Clarence on Monday and the same kid starts both games because he's our best pitcher and that's our best shot to win it. Um, you know, and now here it, it, there is no high school season. High school season got scrapped. Um, you know, despite all of our best efforts to try to find something to do and being told no across the board. But now one of the first weekends that people are eligible and able to go even out of state to play and it, it it took it took a week it took a week and there's reports of 100 pitches in in a game you know close to 200 in a weekend possibly over 200 in the weekend depending upon you know depending upon pitch counts you know if you're at 97 one game and 102 the next game you're that's 199 pitches that's that's a lot that's insane and that's taxing on a young arm and what i honestly believe and now this is where the this episode's going to get a little testy a little you know, controversial, if you will, and I might take some crap for this. This is where you run into the issue of 
there's too many high-end, quote-unquote, elite, quote-unquote, travel teams in the area. Um, You know, back even 10 years ago, there were two, three, at tops there were four in some age groups. And, you know, most of them were program-based, which means there was at minimum somebody at the top was keeping an eye on everything um from that point you know um i can i can tell you the the problem stemmed from people being upset of not making teams and you know we we've dealt with this now in the high school i think 3 or 4 years ago we had a parent pitch the idea of doing a club varsity baseball team that anybody who tried out for a team in the high school from freshman up and got cut could play on because, you know, this way they wanted, they wanted the ability to wear the Jersey and play for their school. Um, and they would basically play a full, you know, just, you know, scrimmages and stuff. But, uh, you know, back then with the travel teams, it was the idea that, you know, uh, this, this team or this program was, you know, was number one and, you know, my kid didn't make it, so there really wasn't anywhere else to play. So I, you know, I started my own team because my kid got cut, and I think he's good enough to play at this level. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a team, and we're gonna play all the same tournaments and in the same league, and we're gonna prove that we're better. Well, how do you prove that you're better? Well, that comes down on the easiest common denominator being wins and losses. So. In when the when, when these high level teams when these high end teams started and I and I know this from knowing the people that were involved in starting the idea and the concept it was the team was going to win because the team was ungodly talented you know so when they played local teams when you know when when the first team of this sort the very first ever regional travel team that wasn't tied to a town or a little league came out they were going to win because their worst pitcher was probably on par, if not better than most teams' worst pitcher. Or sorry, most 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 local teams or uh, town teams' best pitcher. So my my number nine or ten or my inning eater that's you know eleven or twelve potentially, especially on that roster, is probably better than whoever the insert random town and team name best pitcher is. And if not, you know, if that dude comes out and shuts us down, we might ask him to play for us once in a while, you know, so we're going to file the talent to the top, you know, the cream rising to the the top type idea. And, you know, then when we go out of town and we play other tournaments where this regional idea is common at the time, we're going to, we're going to be in dog fights. We're going to, we're going to take a team that's really good from this area, the best of the best, if you will, or the best that, you know, that we could get of the best of the area and file them to one team. And we're going to play out of the area and we're going to compete and we're going to do well. And we're going to see and grow. We're going to see what the game is like outside of West New York. And we're going to grow in that way. And then, you know, you get the kids that don't quite make that team when there's tryouts. Well, I think I'm good enough to play because I'm better. You know, my son is better than player a, well, 
that might be true, but if your if your son is a shortstop and player A is a you know is an outfielder, your son might be you know you might think your son's better than him, but is your son a better outfielder than him? Because well, all right, so you're a better hitter, so we're going to take you, but you're playing outfield. Well, no, I'm a shortstop. Well, that kid playing shortstop is going D1 guaranteed. So, oh, and P.S., he may not play shortstop in college. Nope, I'm a shortstop. Well, then we don't really have a spot for you. Well, to hell with you, I'm going to start my own team. And that's how that's how the whole thing started. And I can tell you, having done the research last year, and by last year I mean earlier this spring, a five-minute search of between Facebook, Twitter, and Google, I was able to find that last year there were no less than 30, 30 advertised as elite prospect, all-star, or showcase teams for the graduating class that just that that literally just had their season lost. So the class of 2020 when they were out of their junior year coming into their senior year last summer had in this area, so Niagara Falls down to the South Towns into Fredonia down that area had 30 allegedly elite high-end showcase elite prospect, all-star, insert adjective of that sort, teams. And now, it starts with the word showcase. If you're a showcase team, you should be going to showcase tournaments. If you're a showcase team, I don't care if you won a tournament because winning the tournament's not the goal. The goal is to showcase your players. The problem is, how do all of these teams sort themselves out and rank each, and you know and kind of get ranked? You know whether because the, there's not an official ranking system. You know there's not a um, team A is number you know is number four because they played in this league, which is a little bit softer than this league or this league, but they won two or three decent tournaments. Like there's no ranking, but how, so how do you how do how, how do you how do you recruit kids? How do you get kids to come to your team? How do you get kids to come and play for you? The easy answer is the wins and losses. If I see a really talented player and he's playing on, you know, Team X and I want him to play for me and my team beats the ever-loving tar out of you, well, that's going to be an easy sell. It's not such an easy sell when... I want you to come play for me and your team beats mine because you're going to look at me and say, especially being a younger athlete or, you know, a parent who understands wins and losses, you're going to look at me and say, why am I going to come play for you? We just beat you. That means we're better. I'm already on a good team. If I don't want to come play for you. And to an extent, I understand that nobody wants to spend their summer losing. However, is winning a tournament at 15, 16, 17 years old worth the potential for not really having a college career to speak of? Even if you do go and make a team, if you know you spend half of that time rehabbing injuries and not being able to perform because you're hurt or sore because, hey, you went and won 
the Battle of the Berg when you were 16 and threw 200 pitches that weekend. You know, again, I'm trying to use non-specifics here because I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm not, you know, I to to, to tell you the the truth, the two tweets that I saw, I don't know what teams those were, who the kids were, who they played for. So, you know, I'm just talking about the the, the subject as a whole and something that I've seen just through West New York baseball as a whole, and that being. You know, the, the emphasis on the wins and losses is, and here you go, this is going to be, you know, my mouth getting myself, you know, getting myself in trouble. The the wins and the losses to me is a sign of ignorance. You know, and I saw it when I coached for New Era, you know, and New Era was the, was the program at the time. And, at the, you know, I believe the Academy stars were up and coming and the HRF Titans were up and coming. And the, we were kind of the big three. If the, if, if we ended up in the same tournaments, you know, you would see new era and a turf and the Academy stars kind of battling out to be in the top three. And a lot of times, you know, there were times that there were, you know, there might be two a turf teams at that age. I don't know, you know, back when I was there, I don't know. I don't think any of them had two. But I, I can I can attest to the fact that when New Era started doing quote unquote A and B teams, or there was the New Era team and the, and the Inferno team, or Team New Era Blue and Team New Era Gold, the uh, you know there were times we'd go to the same tournament and we'd end up seeing each other in the finals, and it wasn't because we were throwing kids' arms off and you know going crazy. It's because we were built to do that. We were built we we you know we were deep in pitching. I had you know eight nine ten guys that could throw. And we'd go and play tournaments and have the ability to go deep in the weekend without abusing somebody, without, you know, hurting a kid or putting a kid's, you know, future on the line. Am I saying it didn't happen? No. Am I saying that it was less likely because of the way we were built and structured? Yes. And we also understood that those, those tournaments, the wins were nice, but that we weren't there to win. You know, we were able to say, hey, we won. You know, you walk in that building and you see the hallway, you know, the hallway of hardware that some poor, you know, minimum wage employee or intern has to go through and dust a couple times a year. But, you know, saying that you you won those tournaments wasn't why you were there. You know, it was to go and say like, hey, these are some of the top players in Western New York. And we went, and you know what? We got absolutely thumped by that team from the Bronx. And guess what? Well, that, that tells you, you got to work a little harder when you're back home and you just beat up on everybody and you're winning all your local tournaments and stuff like, great, you're the best, you know, the best team in that league division tournament, whatever it might be in Western New York. But when you want to go to college, you're not competing against guys from Western New York on the field or even in the locker room to gain playing time, which the point was, to get kids to go to college and stay in college and get playing time from this area. That was the entire point that started the whole thing. And now, you know, in, 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 in that reality, in that realm, there were times, you know, we, we did play local schedule because just playing tournament games, you know, three or four game guarantee, you go to seven of them. You know, it's only so many games in a summer. Yeah. You know, you get extra if you go, you know, you get more games the deeper you go. And if you're built that way, you do get more, but I still want to play 16, 20 home games or home games at home in the summer to a, even out playing time, B, 
you know, get other people looks on the mound and stuff like that and get more at bats and just get better because we don't get to play year round like some places in the United States do. So we got to do what we got to do. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times I went and put out, you know, you, you go and you put out your sixth best lineup. You know, you got a kid who's probably never going to see shortstop in a tournament playing shortstop because it's about development. It's about getting him playing time because, hey, you may not be a shortstop for me, but you're a shortstop for your high school team. And I would be remiss if as a coach and you're playing, you have to play that position and a college coach might come watch you play. You're not ready to do it because we never put you there. And now we look at it and say, okay, so I'm playing the town of whatever so-and-sos and I have my fifth best reliever starting and I have a kid who you know has never really you know not not never like never play shortstop for me in a weekend playing shortstop for me and he's you know he makes a couple mistakes or whatever when we lose a tight uh, you know a tight 5-4 ball game and then all you do is hear over and over and over again how Oh, my team beat that team. We're better than them. Come play for me. We're better than them. Come play for me. We're better than them. Come play for me. And, you know, that's that ends up being how you... Really, that's how talent gets diluted. Um, You know, that that's how teams get... That's, really, that's how you end up with 30, 30 to 35 quote-unquote showcase teams at one age group. And then how do you get, so how do you compete with these other teams? Well, come play for me where we win. That's the easy one. That is the easiest one. And that if you look at it, that is the, that is the thing that a lot of these teams talk about, brag about, put on social media, they put on, you know, their websites and that's what they, that's what they push. That's what they harp. You know, the, the boys played a great weekend of baseball and, and won, you know, won this tournament. And, you know, there's, that's great. And that's awesome. But I, I mean, I can tell you, I don't know how many kids a year from now are going to keep that little trinket metal that cost the tournament six bucks to get made. But I can tell you every single kid that went to a college and had the experience of playing college ball will tell you, you know, most of them will tell you that that was a great experience. And that's what it should be about. Tell me who you placed and where. Tell me who you got noticed at college. Tell me who, you know, don't don't brag about your team and your program winning. Brag about your team and your program putting kids in college, putting kids at the next, you know, getting kids to the next level, getting kids seen. You know, one of, one of the best things that I love, you know, um, when I talk to Dan Savit from PBR, he you know, they harp on the whole be seen, get yourself seen. And, you know, so if, you, if you're if you're a parent and this is where I'll probably wrap this one up. If you're a parent and you're looking at the teams that your son could potentially play for. And if you're a softball person, the teams that your daughter could potentially play for in the world of softball, um, you know, obviously cost and what you can afford is something that's big but also look into what you're getting for that money 
you know, are you playing for a coach that is, you know, has college contact? If that, if that's what you want to do, if that, if you want to play college baseball, does your coach have college contacts? Does your coach have a good track record of placement? You know, how many guys have played for your coach or your program that you want to go to and have gone on to play in college? How many guys have gone on and had successful college careers? Because that's another one. How many guys have gone and like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I went and got you on this. You know, I, I put 17 kids on D1 rosters. And then you look and, very, you know, most of them are a one-year washout or, you know, they were on the team, but they never really played or something along those lines. And, you know, do, do the research, look into this stuff. You know, it's all well and good to go win a tournament, you know, be it local or out of town and be able to say, Hey, you know, and celebrate and everybody loves to win. And again, this is coming from a high school coach who, you know, if we don't win, I don't have a job. So, you know, everyone loves to win, but what are you actually getting for the money you're paying? If it's uniforms, hats, and tournaments, it better be cheap. You know, it, it better it better be a, a darn good bargain because if it's not, you're paying a coach's salary at that point. For what? To put a uniform on and go to some tournaments? You know, I, I can tell you that it's one of those things that you get what you pay for a lot of times. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who live, breathe, you know, live and breathe that. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it might be a little bit more pricey to pay here, but included in this, you get an entire off season of practice. You get the jerseys, the hats, the tournaments I have, you know, these are my college contacts that you want to come. You know, we have a full, full tilt lifting program with this guy, this guy, this guy, these are their credentials. This is the professionalism behind it. And, you know, ask these questions, you know, you, you'd ask questions of any, you know, do you, do you just throw, you know, throw, throw a dart at the wall to figure out where you're, you know, where you're going to, you know, going on vacation. People do more research to, you know, and the hotels they're staying at than the, the teams they play for and the coaches they play for. Um, you know, and a lot of that tell can be the fact that you have guys out there that are throwing kids who haven't thrown in three months for a hundred pitches the first time they see the mound in the summer. Um, you know, it's a little bit tougher to to play that game when they're coming out of a uh, high school season and a kid, you know, you go, you throw them a little bit in a weekend, all of a sudden he's sore and he's shut down for two weeks and it's easy to blame, you know, it's easy to blame one of us, one of the high school scapegoats, you know. And I can tell you that with the amount of baseball guys that are starting to file into the ranks of the high school high school rosters around this area, it's going to be a lot harder to blame on people. You know, it's going to be a lot harder to blame a guy who's been a baseball guy who's not a math teacher full time that loves and studies the game and does everything in his power to get better. It's it's going to be a lot harder to blame guys that have played, you know, guys that have been in the game for a long time, coached the game a long time when, you know, they didn't play for us this year, you know, and we, we did everything in our power to have, you know, zoom meetings and workouts and everything else that we could possibly do. But at the end of the day, I, I can't make my kid go out and throw bullpens to somebody when the world is shut down, but you can 100% control how many pitches your kids throws in a game or in a weekend. 
And if you're one of these one of these guys that I threw this kid 200 pitches, but we won. Well, d- did you win? D- did you? Did you really? So I implore everybody who listens to this to do a little bit of research. Look into what you're um, what you're doing. And, and if you're a coach and you, you know, uh, showcase isn't an age group. Um, showcase. Like, and I, I think that's something that does get misconstrued sometimes. Showcase isn't an age group. Um, you know, I know that there's like the, the one tournament around here, at least one tournament around here, the cap classic denotes an age group as the showcase age group. And what that is, is they're denoting that it's a high school showcase tournament. Yes, there's a championship and a winner, but you know, there is a showcase involved and college coaches do come to watch and see what goes on that weekend. And I know that cause I've been part of it as, you know, as an employee. So, you know, there are guys that go out and see that and watch those games and see what's going on. And, you know, but just because your team would play in that group does not mean, you know, if that's the only showcase tournament you're doing, do not call yourself a showcase team. Um, you know, one one event doesn't make you a showcase team. It, if you're calling yourself that, you should be there for the sole purpose of showcasing your players at every opportunity going to select college invite tournaments, going to, you know, I, I, I'm, and I'm not here trying to promote anything because yeah, especially, I mean, you, I can tell you there's nothing in it for me to say this, but if you're, you know, you should be going to PBR events and stuff like that, stuff that college coaches, even if they're not in person, are going to be able to see tape and video from. You should be getting something from, the, from, from these tournaments you're going to. Your kids should be getting seen. They should be getting noticed. They should be getting some traction if you're calling yourself a showcase team. And the point of that should be that you're you're a showcase team. So if you're playing on my team, your interest should be to play college in baseball. You shouldn't have two or three kids that want to play college in baseball. And then your answer is the rest of the guys are either filler or cannon fodder to get those other two or three guys noticed potentially in the one you know, the the one PBR event we're going to this year. Otherwise, we're, you know, doing the Battle of San Biganza or wherever you're going. You know, I, I mean, the, it, there, there's there's a way to make this better. There's a way to fix this. And when you start getting players and parents that care more about where I end up tomorrow than how we do today, that's the start. When you have coaches who are looking to be better and have that growth mindset about what they're advertising themselves as versus what they actually are. Listen, you you want to be the team that goes and wins every game you ever play? That's fine, and you're going to get people to come play for you. I guarantee it because everybody wants to play for a winner. But tell them that. Be like, I don't care if you don't make it to college baseball because your arm is hanging, but we're going to win every tournament we ever play in. And you can either get a team that can win any tournament you put yourself in, or you can put yourself in tournaments that you're guaranteed to win. But tell people that that's what you're doing. You know, tell people that you're about the W and about the hardware, and that's what they're paying. That's what they're paying for in that in that realm. Otherwise, you know, start start you know start calling it what it is. Start telling the truth, and start being better about these things. Because you're going to see a huge tell this year, you know, especially there's going to be a huge backlog in in the college ranks. There's going to be a bunch of kids that 
you know, could have in years past been D1 talent that end up at D2, D3 and JUCOs and NAIA schools. And it's going to be an interesting four or five years here. And where you go right now, who you play for right now, and the development that you get in right now is going to separate you from the guy next to you and where the two of you want to end up. And that is the end of my rant on this uh, this topic, this episode. Hope you guys liked it. Like I said, check out bicbp-radio.com. Um, you, like I said, you can still find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out Stinger Wood Bats and stay tuned for more from A Tip of the Cap. <laughs>